Hello, brothers and sisters, and welcome to Not Somali Mormon Podcast. <laughs> that took me back, Katie. That took me back to being in the church. That was scary. <laughs> Flashback. <laughs> welcome to Not Somali Mormon Podcast. This is Sarah. And this is Katie, and we are your hosts, and we're so happy you're here. <laughs> we're, we're so we'll turn blessed. the time over. That you that phrase. Let's turn the time over. <laughs> to Sister Little, could you please uh, give us the opening prayer? Thanks. <laughs> oh, so creepy. Oh man, oh, I can't. <laughs> can't anyway. do it. How are you doing, Sarah? I am peachy. Um, Katie and I had our usual little catch-up sesh for like an hour, and it was just me word vomiting at you as usual. But guys, Katie's doing my therapist, so. We have to have our chat time, and if we recorded it all, you guys would be sitting there listening to us for like three hours each episode. (laughs) That's true. Speaking of which. Are you going to bring up the review? (laughs) Yes, guys, we had a very catty, bitchy review that was left, which I don't know if I should be, like, offended, but also it made me giggle, so I felt like it was both. I think I went, when you sent the screenshot to me, I think my response was, oh, my God, what a dick. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? You guys, they were mad about us because they said that we... What did they say? Too much chattering, and we took Wait, too long. I have to read it. I oh, read, read it, read it, do it. Let me see. Which, by the way, thanks everyone. We have seventy-five ratings now. Yay! Yay. All of you are lovely, except for the one that gave us a bad rating. And to you, a bye bye. A bye. Okay, so the subject says too much chatting! Exclamation point! Exclamation point! Whoa, <laughs> listen to one episode and it took 25 minutes to get into the episode after all the unrelating and annoying chit chat at the beginning. <laughs> With one star. Like, which okay. also, if he, she, I'm just assuming it's a he, which is me maybe being sexist, but I'm like, if you listen to any of the episodes, we always say, like, skip ahead if you don't. Well, we don't always. But I usually will say, like, <laughs> and come back now because we're done chatting. But also, ugh, fuck off. Like, that's whatever. I want to chat. If I want to chat, I'm a chatty Kathy. So, yeah. I honestly, if I had to throw out a guess, I honestly think that it is a Mormon dude. Yeah. That posted that. Um, and it could be. Nah, anyways, I don't know exactly who, but I just think it's someone that doesn't really care about the content of our podcast, truly. They just didn't want us to have good ratings, but whatever. Haters gonna hate. It's fine. Haters gonna hate. And we've already spent way too much time talking about them, but, you know, it was a good, good uh, moment. Um, (laughs) It made me giggle. Too much, too much chatter. Um. Also, we got, like, an email, which, Katie, oh, I forgot to, to chat about that. But we did get some amazing emails from you guys this week. And sorry if we haven't responded or if we have slash Katie has responded because I have been MIA <laughs> for the past weekend. Um, but, yeah, there were some really powerful and um, intense emails. But mm-hmm. thank you for sending them. Like, in fact, yeah. my um, – my boyfriend's parents were here this past weekend and I brought up one of them because they're, they're obviously didn't, they weren't raised religious. And so it's a bit like, 
the topic of Mormonism always comes up and they're just like, what? Like <laughs> every single time. I mean, to be fair, I've only met them twice. So I'm being like every single time. Um, <laughs> but the, the latest one is I brought up something. Oh, it was a flea market we went to and they were saying, oh, is it open on a Saturday? Is it just Sunday? And I was like, oh, it must be open on a Saturday because I went when I was Mormon. And they were like, huh? I'm like, oh, because I couldn't go on a Sunday because you can't buy things on a Sunday as a Mormon. And they were like, what? What? Say what? <laughs> sorry, I have like a coughing attack again. Oh, I'm sorry. Poor thing. <clears throat> I know. Now the, the person who gave us the bad review gets to hear me coughing and has annoying chatter. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> Dying. Celestial Jesus cursing me. Because Celestial of Jesus, God. get your act together. Be nice to Sarah. Come Be on. Nice to me. Um, speaking of chatter, this entire episode is just Katie and I chatting because we're going to be answering all of your questions. Yeah. So on Instagram, we put up a, uh, one of those question stickers on our story and had you guys ask us questions. And we decided we'll answer as many as we can get to on this episode. So I have the screenshots here. Are you ready, Sarah, to just get into uh, it? I'm so ready. I mean, it's like people asking questions about myself. So, of course. You're basically being interviewed by, <laughs> a, just pretend I'm a journalist and I'm doing a story on you. No. <laughs> I get to say all the things about myself. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Here's the first question. What kind of responses or backlash did you get when you left the church? Um, I think I've, we've both talked about this, not to throw shade at whoever wrote this question in, but um, I've definitely talked about it in a few episodes, but I guess the biggest one for me was not really my family, but I think that's because I'm living in Berlin, so I don't really see them that much. But mm -hmm. it would be the community I had here in Berlin. So when I left the church, I, my best friend, as I mentioned before, was the bishop's wife. And we were extremely close, like family, I would say. She was more like my sister to me. And when I left, um, yeah, it just it crumbled the friendship. She just couldn't handle the fact that I had left. And it for her, she said I was fucking selfish and that like it just changed everything and she didn't know who to believe like what Sarah to believe if it was Mormon Sarah or this Sarah now who's no longer Mormon and that the whole friendship was based on a lie and blah 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 so there was like that really big friendship that just crumbled for me and it was really difficult like one of the hardest things I think I've gone through and then mm -hmm. my roommate at the time was also Mormon and my best like I had she was probably my second closest friend I had in Berlin and also the sister of the brother who I was dating slash he went on a mission and we talked about marriage and shit. So mm -hmm. when I left, <clears throat> she was just very cold and disappointed and tried to get me to go back to church and to pray about it and read the Book of Mormon and when I decided to move out, she was very upset and offended and basically, like, cut off all contact with me. I think as soon as I moved out, we met up once after that just to, like, 
do like official me handing over keys and stuff like that and that mm-hmm. was two and a half years ago and I haven't I haven't talked to her once since then um and she's like married has a baby now like and we went from like not just roommates we were like best friends in Berlin um so yeah and then obviously the guy her brother was also an asshole and just he's a guy who was like I'm no longer physically and spiritually attracted to you um so yeah those are just the highlights but yeah yeah that's mm-hmm. quite a big backlash I would say for you yeah. especially like you're losing like your closest friends um for me I, I think it was I left so gradually it was such a gradual I don't know like decade long experience and so mm-hmm. there were little struggles and backlashes like when I first stopped when I first stopped attending church I would I was still living with my parents. I was probably about 19 and I would try to avoid going to church. And that's when my, my mom, um, you know, cause she really means well and she wanted me to be happy. And so she, I remember she told me that I needed religion in my life, that everyone needs religion and that, mm. um, and I was kind of pushing back against that saying, no, I don't. And then we got into a discussion about how I I told them that I did not want to get married in the temple if I ever got married. And that was really sad because that it made my mom really upset because, you know, Mm. she really, really believes this stuff. And so um, it was kind of more of like she was disappointed and sad. But over time, she's completely, at least as far as I know, gotten over it. And we have a great relationship now, I think the most pushback I've really gotten is from a couple of friends. And then honestly, since we started this podcast, um, having the discussions on like our social media, that's been like kind of a lot of pushback. But it's sort of it's I feel more I feel bold about it now because I have like you we're doing it together yeah. and I have the community around me supporting me. It's not just like people attacking me personally. Um, so, yeah, I guess it's. It was a little bit of a pushback at first, but since I left so gradually, it wasn't so terrible for me, luckily. Yeah, and I completely agree with the the community that we have now. So thanks, you guys. But sometimes I, like, as soon as a troll comes on, this is, like, my favorite (laughs) thing. I either, if it's, like, a time difference, I just, like, save it and I just anticipate for when (laughs) Katie will respond. Or if it's like whenever it's, you know, times that you guys will be awake, it's also the listeners responding. And I feel like there's this meme of the lady who write or is in that TV show Murder, She Wrote. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> there's, this, there's this gif where she's like eating popcorn and her face is like open. <laughs> like, oh, my God. I send that gif all the time. It's my favorite. But that's what I feel like when you guys are just like going at it. I'm just like, yes, like keep going. So I love good. it when there's trolls in our comments and then all of you listeners come in and back us up. I'm like, wow, you all are the real MVPs. Thank you. Thank you. So good. Okay, here's another question. How much time did you spend to get rid of Mormonism's brainwashing? Uh, there is still going. That's I exactly don't know. That was exactly my initial thought too. Like it, I'm still working every single day to undo that. I mean, it's gotten better, but <clears throat> it's not like it just goes away. 
No, no, no. I mean, there's still, as I, I think I mentioned in the last episode or the episode before, where I still have moments where I feel really guilty, like, or I feel, I feel this, like, panic come over me, and it'll sometimes just come out of the middle of nowhere, just mm-hmm. where I instantly think, like, oh, my God, like, I'm not getting married in the temple. I'm, I'm with, I'm, you know, with someone who's not a Mormon, who I'm not married, like, I'm going to hell, like, blah, blah. And then I just have to, like, turn it off or, like, when I'm drinking or sometimes when I think about the friendships I've lost and then I get a bit sad thinking, like, was I an asshole? Like, did I – like, I feel guilty, like, as if it was my fault that this stuff happened. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to get the brainwashing out. And there's just still things, like Katie and I were just talking about where before this episode were certain situations where I still feel like – I feel a bit judgy of other people around me because that's what I was going to bring yeah. up that's the hardest thing that I'm still trying to shake is I've, I, I know I've improved, but I think that it's taken me a very long time to, to stop with the judgment of others and of myself. I still yeah. do it a lot where I'm like j- internally judging myself and people around me or being like maybe fearful of certain situations or people even though I shouldn't be just because they're different from me and the judgment that I think that was ingrained in me of like what is good and what is evil and who's with us and who's against us when, and I'm really trying to let go of that. And it's a daily struggle, honestly. Yeah. A hundred percent. It really is. And just constantly having to be, I think for me, what's made the biggest difference and again, like this whole idea of getting rid of the brainwashing, it's, I think it'll take a lifetime. You know, my friend Jay said that he's like, you know, he calls me Frank. He's like, Frank, I, (laughs) I don't think this is something you're going to ever get rid of in this lifetime. Like this is something you're going to have to continuously work on and work through. Um, And for me, it was like realizing that. And instead of feeling overwhelmed, I felt okay. I can deal with this. Like this is something that it's okay. I have moments. It happens move on like as long as I'm working mm-hmm. through it it's okay and just being self-aware like that's what's really helped me is to be right. self-aware like why did I respond that way let's think right. about it. um is this real or is this just my thoughts like is this the brainwashing and kind of breaking it down which of course it's easier said than done because in the moment <laughs> it's it's yeah. a lot where you just feel overwhelmed but um yeah just trying to be self-aware and see the root of the brainwashing and cut it out you know very very good point I love that visual Mm. root of the brainwashing okay do you remember the point or moment you had really had enough and you left the church Mm. I mean we've had this question a few times throw in shade again because I'm a catty bitch today well we're answering (laughs) once and for all so if you guys ever (laughs) ask these questions again we're gonna reference you back to this episode (laughs) every time um but no I mean I've been asked several times not just from listeners or this podcast but just friends who I, I meet and they always ask like what was your breaking point and I think it's similar to you Katie mine wasn't like an overnight thing it was a gradual build up of things and mm-hmm. then just one thing in particular just made me like oh okay I this is really not sitting well with me um so yeah I guess for me it was when I I went to move to Chicago and I lived with like Mormon roommates and started going to church there I instantly was just turned off and I was like mm. you know what I don't like one 
person in this ward other than, oh, and that's a lie. I had two friends in there who I thought were genuine and cool. And the rest, I was just like, why the fuck am I forcing myself to be friends with these people? Like, they're so fake. Like, I don't want to be friends. And then this expectation of dating. And I was just thinking, like, this is what I have to, like, basically force myself to get rejected by. Like, I don't even like them. I'm not even interested. But I know I have to put forth an effort and try to date. And I know that because... I'm not skinny or I'm not whatever. They're not going to want to date me. And that's so, it was so like, gross. That's such a horrible thing that was that's like put upon you. So much pressure to date people yeah. that you don't even like. You're not even interested in. And then you think that you're the problem. That's horrible. Exactly. And so it was at that point where I stopped at, towards the end of that stay. So I was in Chicago for six months. And towards the end, I stopped going to church and I was just making excuses. Like I'd be like, oh, I'm not feeling well. So I wouldn't go to church. And my roommates were like, oh, you don't want to go today. And I was like, no, I'm I'm not feeling well. So then it was like trying to hide and like I wasn't being myself. I had to constantly like lie and make excuses like, oh, I'm sick or whatever. And then I came back to Berlin and I thought, oh, once I'm back to Berlin, I'll want to go to church. It was just because I didn't like those people. Mm-hmm. That's and what that's they say. True. It's always the pe- it's the people aren't perfect, but the church is. <laughs> exactly. Which is what <laughs> I, I literally told myself that. I read talks that said that. And so I was like, okay, it's it's just the people. It's not the church. Like once I get to Berlin, I want to go back. And then, yeah, I came back and I was like, I have zero desire to go to church. And I went a few times and I was like, nope. And then that was around the same time. Um, with the, the, the women in priesthood movement, what was it called? What was the Ordained actual? women. Ordained women started happening. And then also around the time, um, where they banned, well, or they wouldn't allow children to get baptized if they were in a family, a, a homosexual family. Is that how they called it? It was some weird. Yeah, or I think they call it same sex marriage. Same sex marriage, yeah. And so those two things just really, I was like, I, okay, what am I doing? I don't even want to go. And then I'm supporting this religion that like lit. And so then it was like all these things. And then I got this ES letter from my friend who was a Mormon, who was homosexual and he, he left. And then he sent me, well, he is, I'm not saying was homo, like he is gay. (laughs) And then yeah. he he finally came out and he sent me the CES letter and was like, you should read this. And that's when I read it. And I was like, OK, I can go back now. So nice. Nice. Um, For me, like you said, I guess it's <laughs> a long accumulation of things. But I think the exact moment when I'd had enough was, I guess, <sighs> I guess I didn't believe in it for a long time, but I was still struggling with like, oh, should I just keep my name on the records maybe just in case? Or do I believe in Mormon God? I just don't believe in Joseph Smith. You know those questions you ask yourself? Are there parts of it I still believe? Like, am I ever going to want to go back? Um, And then the more and more I thought about it, I'm like, no, I don't believe any of this stuff, but whatever. So I moved it, it really helped moving away from Utah. I moved to Arizona and it was nice because for a, a while there, I was not bothered by people who were, more, there's not many Mormons. And I mean, there still are in some suburbs of Phoenix, but not really in the area where I live in the city mm-hmm. of Phoenix. And so 
I was, you know, just happy-go-lucky doing my thing. And a few months into me moving here, I started getting texts and phone calls from the ward I was supposed to be in. And it was like the Relief Society and then like these missionaries emailing me. And then I was on getting the ward newsletter emailed to me. And I was missing all these calls. And I finally, I I was trying to be nice in my responses and saying, hey, look, I'm not interested in any of this. I'll be your neighbor. You know, we can go get lunch, but I don't want to go to church. I'm not interested at all. And they wouldn't stop. (laughs) And then one night it was, I mean, it was pretty late. It was eight or nine at night. And I got a knock on my door and it was the bishopric. And they hadn't even called, they'd never called or texted me beforehand to make sure that was okay that they came over. And it was so awkward. Uh, they were basically just like, well, um, are you, you know, asking if I was active and trying to get me involved? And I was just like, no, I'm not interested. But, you know, there's these these adult men that I don't know on my doorstep and it's dark outside and I was Right after that happened, I had felt so violated that I immediately went on to quitmormon.com and submitted my resignation because I was like, look, I've been done with this for a long time, but they won't leave me alone and I need them to leave me alone. And after that went through, I haven't had any problem, luckily. So that was, I guess, the moment when I was like, screw this, stop pestering me. I don't want anything to do with you. (laughs) Well, and it's so creepy. Imagine if your boyfriend hadn't been home and, like, these two grown-ass men come to your house late at night. Like, that is just so creepy. Like, I'm sorry. I don't care what your intentions are. That is fucked. And it was was gross, too, because they said, oh, we would have called ahead of time, but we didn't have your phone number. But I know that's a lie because the Relief Society president was texting and calling me. So how did she have my phone number? And they didn't. And they had my address. Like, Uh, that's just a lie and you're creepy and get away from me. (laughs) Oh, I forgot to tell you as well. Like, so I have a friend who's still in, like, who who's still Mormon, and I'm friends with in Berlin. And she said that like they knew the moment that my my name was taken off the records because apparently like the Relief Society president was she had never obviously never met me and was like asking my name or whatever, and they were like, oh yeah, she's inactive or whatever. And then her, my name, when I took my name off the records, it just, like, disappeared from her contact list. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh and, she was like, and she was, like, telling my mutual friend, like, oh, it's that girl. Like, yeah, her name just, like, disappeared from the list. <laughs> oh, interesting. I've always wondered how that works or who yeah. gets or whatever. That's interesting. So apparently that's what happened. They just cut you out. <laughs> well, I'm... I'd rather be cut out than left in. Good day, sir. (laughs) Good day, sir. Good day to you. Okay. Here's a funny one. How did your Mormon parents explain dinosaurs? Oh, God. Um, Hmm. (laughs) I'm, like, trying to think. So, my boyfriend and I, we just had this conversation later. Like, he loves to tease me about it because there's so many things where I'm just like, what's that? Wait, what? Because I just still don't know a lot of stuff. And he's just like... How have you made it through life, like, as a 31-year-old woman without knowing this stuff? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I just didn't ask. I just didn't even think about it. We thank Mormonism for not learning a lot of science. 
So that's how we did it. Um, To be honest, I don't, I don't remember. I mean, my dad, like we, we've talked about, he's not Mormon and my mom is and is like conservative, but I don't remember that ever being a question in household. Like I grew up playing with dinosaurs and watching dinosaur movies and like, I knew that they were real and my parents never said like, they're not real or like whatever. So I don't, I don't, for me, that's a tricky one because I never grew up in a household that said dinosaurs didn't exist or that we believed in creationism. But then again, we went to church where it does teach that. So I was always confused. I didn't realize that the two couldn't exist together until yeah. just like a few years ago. <laughs> no, same, same for me. Um, because my family, they never said anything like that to me about how dinosaurs didn't exist or anything like that. They, you know, I had my dinosaur books and my dinosaur toys and I yeah. just, you know, you learn about the dinosaurs in elementary school and it was just that. And I never put it together in my brain that I was like, oh, dang, like if we really believe it, how the Bible says, then where did they come from? You know, Um which I found was so fascinating because it only was just a couple years ago. I saw some person on Facebook post about how she sincerely didn't believe that dinosaurs ever existed on the earth because of religious reasons and how like, <laughs> so I guess Mormon God, when he created the earth, he took matter and pieces of other planets and other stuff that was flying around the universe that had dinosaur (laughs) fossils and then put the dinosaur fossils like in our earth so that we would be or I don't know our scientists would be confused and think that uh, dinosaurs lived here (laughs) I've also heard that I've also heard that Satan planted them to confuse everyone and make people believe that you know creationism (laughs) doesn't No. Oh my god. I've never heard of any of this stuff, but it's absolutely ludicrous. I love using that word and this is the perfect time to do it. That <laughs> is insane. It it's so funny to me, but it's also when I when I sit back and think about it, it's also pretty scary that people really believe that. Like they oh. just discredit all of the work that these scientists have done and just say, well, nope, it was either God or Satan, which (laughs) doesn't make any sense. But you know what, though? That's like um, a reference in Mean Girls that I never got until after I left the Mormon church and and realized that like Christian, most Christians don't believe in dinosaurs or I don't know what the number is. I shouldn't say most, but um, whenever that part is where it's like the little boys in the overalls with the oh, guns. Uh-huh. <laughs> and what is the quote again? Like, it's like and, what was it? On the third day, God created, what was it? The Remington? No, what is it? The, the... Remington action rifle <laughs> to fight the, what was it? Dang it. We're missing the homosexuals that. and the dinosaurs, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Guys, we butchered that. Sorry. We butchered it. Sorry. Sorry, Mean Girls fans. I messed that up, but that's okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I remember I didn't really get that reference for a long time. Like I just was like, dinosaurs, what? And then now I'm like, oh, I get it. Because dinosaurs yeah. don't exist. It's fascinating. If you really truly believe in creationism, there's all these different, I've heard, I guess, ways of explaining dinosaurs. I even heard this this guy who has the ark 
it's called the Ark Encounter Museum. He really believes that the that Noah's flood happened, and so he made this museum showing how the ark actually was, and he has all these taxidermy animals in there, and he claims that dinosaurs were on the ark. Oh my god. Yeah. It's craziness. It's all crazy, but yeah, I thought that You know what? This is like a tangent. Any listeners who know, or maybe maybe you know, Katie. My boyfriend was talking about the Ark as well and said something about, um, God, he's going to be so mad at me that I clearly wasn't paying attention. Um, <laughs> some country, it's not maybe Albania. Oh, this is so bad. I should really Google shit before I bring it up. Anyways, point being is that, like, they believe that that's where the Ark was. And, like, even on their currency or their coin or something, he was telling me there's, like, an Ark on it no way yes yeah, so i'm gonna have to google this or if listeners know it or whatever like yeah. let us know but about we should do a full episode on noah's ark and that whole yeah. thing interesting yeah yeah i agree okay next question how do you feel about the talks at eight years old now so i think they're talking about the worthiness interviews they lowered the age so now children as young as eight start getting them I feel like it's sick and twisted. That's how I feel. Yeah, me too. I don't think that worthiness worthiness interviews should be a thing at all. And let alone asking an eight-year-old whether or not they masturbate when they don't even know what it is. It's no, no. And I don't think you should be asking anyone, any child, or even any adult for that matter, private things about their sexual life or even just private things about the rest of their life because I think the idea of a man like you go into your bishop or your stake president or whatever he interviews you and then he deems you worthy or not that concept is also gross to me like you're worthy no matter what that man says a hundred percent yep and that's that's the root that we were just talking about of brainwashing like that for me is where guilt and shame and fear all began is this like feeling like if I fuck up or if I am doing air quotes like sin, which I wasn't sinning or like that there is no concept of sin, but I would think that and I would feel so guilty as a kid. I remember panicking and like praying at like six and seven, like, oh, I'm so sorry. I messed up. I'm so sorry. And like feeling so disappointed in myself, you know? And so the fact that like these worthy interviews are happening at such a young age like it makes me sick to my stomach me too those poor children like just it's starting them so much younger oh yeah okay here's a lighter question what's your favorite way to unwind after a stressful day Ooh, that's a good question besides recording your podcast of course obviously (laughs) That's what we do. I came home from a long day at work and I was like, uh, I'm going to unwind by recording a podcast with Katie. Um, I mean, to be honest, that does help me a lot after a long day. Yeah, but usually I'm kind of lame. I just like to have like maybe a glass of wine or take a bath or watch Netflix or if I'm feeling frisky, all of the above with something else thrown in there. Some some delight. That's what I like to call it. Wow, wow. Oh, and food. Of course, food. I, yeah. Yeah, my favorite, I think it involves pretty much everything you just said, but I love to cook. It's maybe my favorite thing to do. And I honestly feel 
it feels therapeutic to me when I cook, like when I chop the vegetables and when I just prepare a meal. To me, that's very stress relieving. And I also love to take baths and I love to unwind with a book. I'm, oh, I'm kind yeah, of a book nerd. <laughs> but yeah, Netflix and all of that and sex too, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and a cocktail never hurts. And a cocktail. Yeah, no, you're right. Cooking does help. Guys, this is me being annoying with my chatter, but I was so sad. Speaking of that, I was so excited yesterday to, like, cook and, like, make a really nice spaghetti bolognese, like, where you Mm. simmer and saute for, like, two hours and, like, really have a nice sauce. And I oversalted it. And so when we sat down to eat, I was like, it's too salty. And I was so sad about it. I've done that before. I know, but I feel like such a failure. And yeah, my boy was just like, it's okay. And I was like, I don't want to talk about it. I just want to cry. I feel my life. You're (laughs) not a failure. You can redeem the bolognese another (laughs) night. (laughs) I know, but I was like, cooking is what I should be great at because I'm Southern. I'm letting down my people. It's so sad. Oh, my God. (laughs) One bout of oversaltiness will not ruin your reputation. <laughs> oh, but it was also because in the morning I was like, I'm going to make homemade hash browns and like shred up some potatoes and fry them up. Did I listen to a recipe or even look one up? No. Well, we did. And it was like, you should soak it and pat it in a towel. And I was like, fuck that. That's too much effort. Um, You need to do that because it gets rid of the starch and it doesn't yeah. make it stick to the pan and like a gooey mush. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that's now you know. Follow the recipe. So I was like, I fucked up breakfast and supper. Oh my God. <laughs> I bet you listeners didn't know this was where we gonna work, where we were gonna go. You did. I know. So that's what Our cooking tips. Um, well, this is sweet. She says, you guys are the best. Also, I drank iced tea for the first time yesterday because of you guys. So that wasn't really a, a question, but I'm happy oh. that she tried iced tea. How do you like your iced tea, Sarah? Um, What do you mean? Like, do you flavor it or anything? Like, do you add sugar? Ah, uh, yeah. Of course, I'm Southern. I was going to um, say, you take it sweet, sweet tea, Yeah, right? we take it sweet. Like, in fact, when I go home, I it's too sweet for me now. I have to do like half and half. I'll do unsweet, like half unsweet and then half sweetened. And even <laughs> that, it's still a bit too sweet for me. But um, yeah, I grew up, my, my mother and grandmother always making sweet tea and they have it like perfection. Like they, they do it so well and I haven't yet mastered it, but I'm getting there. I got to figure it out. Nice. But what about you? Um, I usually just, if I have iced tea, I like to just brew green tea and then chill it and serve it over ice. But lately I've been really loving adding in like ice steep hibiscus leaves. And so it gives it a really pretty pink color. And then you add in a squeeze of lemon and then sometimes I'll even muddle in some strawberries. So it's kind of like one of those fancy like Starbucks refreshers, but it costs like pennies to make and it's delicious. So Ooh, that That's sounds been really nice. Um, here's this one. What is your favorite sin? <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I think what I responded initially was breaking the Sabbath <laughs> by drinking wine, buying food or something like that, and having sex. I think that's what I said. You're combining all of them together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm pretty sure, like, yeah. I feel like all of them, if you just think about all the sins, there's, they're all so good. Like, even something as simple as not paying tithing, it's like you get a 10% raise. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so nice. Yeah. They're all I, – I can't pick a favorite one, but sim- similar to what you said, I think. Yeah, I think <laughs> all of them. Um, What did you do with your copies of the Bible, Book of Mormon, and Doctrine and Covenants? Um, um, I still have mine. They're here. I just haven't thrown them away because I feel guilty. Again, talking about this, I feel guilty because my mom bought it for me and they're like, you know, is it inscribed? Is that the word? It has like my name on the front. And so I just feel so guilty, like throwing it away. So I've kept it just because I'm like, uh, I mean, I don't read them and I don't use them, but it's kind of like, my grandmother also got me, like, she wasn't Mormon, but she got me a Bible when I was little that had my name. Um, so it was, like, this all-white Bible, and then my name was inscribed in gold. And I kept it, even though I was, like, a Mormon at the time. and was, like, this isn't the true version of the Bible. <laughs> but it was just, like, a good memory and good, like, you know, yeah. reminder. Yeah. So for me, it's kind of like, uh, I, I don't, I want to get rid of it just because I'm like, I, it's weird to have it in my apartment, but at the same time, it's like, oh, my mom got it for me. So I yeah, there's leave. like sentimental value to it. Yeah. And it's also, to me, it seems like it would be kind of wasteful to just throw it away. Like, I don't know, but mine, I have, it's, but it's at my parents' house, so it's a whole state away. So I don't have to like see it every day but I didn't throw mine away either. (laughs) Yeah, I just can't. I don't even know where mine is, actually. I think it's in a drawer, maybe hidden somewhere. (laughs) Anyways. Okay. Um, What are your favorite adult drinks to have at an alcohol party? (laughs) (laughs) Those alcohol parties. Um, Well, I'm not going to say my favorite, but I'm going to say one that I had this past weekend that was new for me that was really nice. Um, I'll have to post a picture on, on our story. It was this yummy, like, oh, what did they call? Uh, rosé spritz, I think, is what it was called. And it was, like, this yummy, like, really nice rosé with, they mixed it with lime juice, I think, and this really nice homemade. So, in Germany, they call it lemonade, but lemonade just means any type of fizzy drink. It's a weird thing. Oh. Um, cause I'm always like, that's not lemonade, but apparently in the UK they do that as well, which I think is so bizarre. Cause then I'm like, what do you call actual lemonade then? Yeah. It's a question (laughs) that no one has answered for me yet. Um, so it was like this really nice, like homemade lemonade, which I think it was just like a, a fruity peach sparkling drink that they mixed in with the rosé and then they put mint and strawberry in it and it was so yummy like Mm. it was really refreshing but it wasn't sweet so you could drink a lot of them and it was it was really nice so that would be my my favorite moment (laughs) nice that sounds delicious um I think for me my favorite uh, alcoholic drink to have at an alcohol party (laughs) is um 
I think my go-to would be like a vodka tonic or like Ooh. a vodka cranberry. That's just like my go-to. I really like vodka, but I like I don't discriminate too much against the other <laughs> liquors. Um, but I think if I'm going to a party where everyone's like drinking beer, I usually just bring my own bottle of white wine because, and I like I don't like sweet wine. I'll, I'll get like the dry white wines, like a Sauvignon Blanc or something. Um, mm. Because I love red wine, but I think it's dangerous to take to an alcohol party because of spills. <laughs> That's true. And also yeah. red wine. It's I love red wine as well. I much I love it. it, but I just drink it at home or like with dinner. Um, and, but if I'm going to a party or like having a party, I'll have like chilled white wine because I'll, I can have like a beer or two, but I'm not. It's hard for me to drink more than a couple of beers, but it's easier for me to drink drink wine so that's yeah yeah I but speaking of which so are you and your boyfriend a gin fan because when you guys are here I feel like we're gonna have to because Greg and I really like gin and and rum so we love gin yeah we're big on gin rum can be a little too sweet um but in small amounts yeah rum too but gin perfect thumbs up (laughs) good 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 um okay what was your biggest shelf item or issue? So, like, I guess we sort of talked about this already, but I guess the item that, like, broke our shelves of belief, um, which I guess you said already was kind of like the, I guess, homophobic and sexist stuff, right? Yeah. 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 I would say the same thing for me. It really was probably even more so than the sexist stuff was the homophobic stuff. It was the heaviest item on the shelf, I guess. And then you add in all the racism and everything else and it yeah. just down. <laughs> I was gonna say the racism as well because even at a young age and even growing up in the south where like um I mean yeah racism is still a very very big issue um that for me bothered me at such a young age that and no one could answer it so I think that like built up and mm-hmm. then it was like the sexism and then the homophobia and then it was just like everything came crumbling down at that point, you know? Yeah. When you realize that like Joseph Smith married 14 year olds and yeah. that the Book of Mormon isn't actually historically true. It's like, oh, what the yeah. hell am I believing? Um, here's one for you. Why did Sarah decide to move to Europe? Oh, why did I? Um so there are two parts is what I answered in the story. I met with a professor at BYU um, when I was graduating. So it was my last semester and I was kind of, she, I really got on with her and I specialize in medieval literature and she was the professor who also specialized in that. So I had several classes with her and she wasn't married and I kind of looked up to her because of that. I was like, ah, oh, cool. Like she's an example of a Mormon woman in the church who isn't married with kids but has like a a badass career and she's really smart and blah blah blah. so I met with her because I wasn't seeing anyone I had no potential suitors to get married and I was like what am I supposed to do um (laughs) I'm graduating so I was asking her what to do and she suggested that I do my master's and she actually gave me, I think we've talked about this before, but her advice to me, and I have it written down, she's like, it doesn't matter what you do next, as long as you get out of Utah and pursue your dreams. 
Dang. And I thought, like, whoa, that really hit me. And I thought, like, whoa, a BYU professor is telling me that. Like, okay. That's she's like, unheard of. That's yeah. Crazy. And she was just like, you you need to get out of, like, don't. Because one of my options was I was just going to stay in Utah and keep working at the job I had, which was lovely. I mean, really nice bosses. But it was, like, it had a shelf life. There wasn't a way for me to progress in this company. And so I just would have been stuck in Utah doing the same thing, never doing anything with my life. So anyway, so she had me do that. And I looked up programs and I thought like, there's no way I can afford to go to school abroad because I was thinking it was going to cost, if not more than the States. Plus, how am I going to get a job when I'm there if I don't have a visa, blah, blah, blah. So I found out that there are a few European countries that have free tuition to everyone and to foreigners included and Germany was one and then I thought okay but I can't speak the language and I saw this a few universities in Berlin had my program in English literature and it was in English so then I was like oh my god it must be God telling me that I have to go (laughs) and this is the revelation given to me that I must go so Obviously. (laughs) (laughs) obviously so yeah so I um Actually, Katie and I have kind of talked about this before, but I had a close friend during that time and I was really comfortable hanging out with him to to the point where it was like, and this is our mutual friend, where it was just like we were very comfortable with each other, but we weren't dating, but it was just these kind of weird vibes. And I ended that friendship because I wasn't, I didn't end it. I said, we need to take a step back. And he got really upset and just like blocked me out of his life and deleted me and blah, blah, blah. And so it was during that time that I was like, okay, I'm going to do this, this master's program and I'm going to apply and be courageous and be bold. So I applied the day before the deadline, totally didn't think I'd get in. Um, and yeah, I found out I was accepted and I just was like, all right, that's God telling me I have to go. <laughs> it's the way. The and way. Yeah. So that's how I ended up in Germany. Moved here almost, guys, in two months or less than two months. It'll be seven years that I've been. Wow. Here. I wow. know. That's crazy. So yeah, so that's my story. So I came here yeah. in the church and, uh, yeah, only knew Mormons when I first moved here. um this question is is there anything you miss about being Mormon Mm, I would say um I guess the community of of service like it is nice to always know that like if you have to move or like (laughs) go to a new place that there's always like someone like in the church that can like help you move or like you know pick you up from the airport or whatever it's like random strangers exactly that's exactly what I thought too I guess I sort of miss that community and knowing that someone will help you no matter what um but I don't miss it enough to ever like really (laughs) attempt to associate with them again because if I wanted to I could just get really friendly with my neighbors but (laughs) exactly and then there's also the flip side of it where it's like yeah they're great when you're in the community but then once you leave they like harass you and so you know yeah um okay what advice would you give to people leaving the church on how to deal with family that's still in oh I would say, I mean, I again, I haven't really had to deal with this personally, but if I'm thinking about the friends 
that I had, I would say don't take it personally. Yeah. Um, which was hard to do when that's your loved ones who, you know, obviously you care about a lot and you care about their opinion and you don't want to hurt and disappoint them. But don't take it personally. And at the end of the day, it's your life. Like you have to live with your decisions that you make. Yeah. So you can't continue living a life to please other people because you're just going to have a life of regret and it's not your true self. And at the end of the day, your family debt will most you would hope that they love you and they do want what's best for you. So it just honestly, it takes time. Maybe it never happens, but usually it just takes time for them to adjust and the things that they say. I just, you know, it's it's never a reflection of you. It's usually a reflection of themselves and yeah. I would take it personally. Yeah, good advice. And I think too, like you said, for the most part, I think people's families, they'll at least come around to the point where maybe it's not a point of contention and you can just agree to disagree. But also if your family is toxic or abusive, just get out of there, I guess, and just put yourself and your needs first. But I know that's easier said than done. But hopefully they'll just accept you and love you and and get over it because yeah. it's not their choice what you do. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And this person said, how did both of your parents react when you told them you were leaving the church? Um, I think we both kind of answered this, but like... Yeah. My mom, I guess I've never actually officially said, well, maybe I have. I think I, maybe I have. Maybe she's brought it up and I just said, hey, mom, I'm I'm not. I think I said I'm inactive or I'm, I'm not ever coming back to the church. But I haven't said my records have been removed. But I have said that and I just told her I'm happy. And I think for her and actually my my boyfriend's parents were in town this weekend. They asked me that same exact question and my boyfriend, he even jumped in, but he's like, well, I think for your mom, it's just important that you're happy. And she seems to be very happy knowing that you're happy. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I think that's well said that like my mom, obviously it makes her sad that I'm not married in the temple and I'm not in church because of how the church brainwashes you into thinking and making you feel guilty. But my mom is actually like, she's just so happy that I'm happy and that I found someone who makes me happy. Um, so for her, like it, it's not been an issue at all. Like, in fact, I would say our relationship is even closer now. So, yeah. yeah, for me too, I've never explicitly said that to my parents. I've never said, Hey, I'm leaving or I've left. I've never said that to them. I think it's just been implied and they understand that. And, um, it was probably hard for them at first, but it's fine now. Um, it's funny. A couple of years ago, my brother got married in the temple and um, this woman that was from his new wife's side of the family, she came over to introduce herself to me. And the first thing she said to me was, are you active? <laughs> and I, I was honestly kind of confused at first. I thought she was asking me like, are you active? Like, do you jog? Are you like physically active? Or, like, <laughs> are you sexually active? Yeah. And I was kind of taken aback. And my mom was right there. And my mom actually stepped in. I think she could tell that I was a little confused. And my mom stepped in and just went, oh, no, she's not. And it was fine. And it was like no big deal. And my mom didn't seem to be embarrassed by that. So uh, I think, yeah, over time, they just 
have accepted it, but I never explicitly said that to them. So yeah, I don't know. Um, okay. What, what do you know about BYU Idaho and the people that go there? (laughs) (laughs) Um, this is gonna, and I'm so sorry for anyone who went or is attending BYU Idaho who's listening. I don't believe this and I never thought this, but what I always heard at BYU, you like Provo, was that BYU Idaho was for people who weren't smart enough to get into BYU Provo. <laughs> and that they, they were basically, it's like stricter and it's like no one wants to go there type thing but again I don't think this like I never had this opinion but that's what I was always told at BYU Provo so I don't really have an opinion of BYU Idaho other than I always yeah what I just said and hearing that like their honor code and stuff was like crazy strict and that they couldn't wear flip-flops and shit like that (laughs) but yeah I don't really know. I don't have any opinion on it, just that I would never want to go there or live there. Basically, like, I wouldn't want to live in Provo for regular. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, what's up with the Apostle John and how he is supposedly an immortal being on Earth? I don't know this. I saw this question and I was like, what? I don't know this. What is so this So, this is like... <laughs> This is something that I don't have the exact quotes because I don't have them memorized, but it's like, do you know how they would teach about the three Nephites that are still alive on Earth? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so in the, in the scripture, in the Book of Mormon, I think it's in Third Nephi, there's this point, there's a scripture where Jesus tells these three Nephites that they will never die. Like they're going to just keep on living until he comes back to the earth and no one's going to know who they are. They're going to live among us in secrecy. And in that scripture, he says, like unto John or something similar to that. Like you're like my apostle John, who is also immortal. So apparently there's John and the three Nephites that are just (laughs) roaming around the earth and they're like, centuries old or something oh my god shit. katie we believed in this shit we believed this oh, <laughs> i mean like wouldn't and it's crazy that they just believe this like it's just in this book and they believe it oh. but um wouldn't you think that pe- someone would notice if there's you know like 800 year old man i don't know oh you would think lord the irs would take notice <laughs> <laughs> um what ex-Mormon books do you recommend? Mm, um, the one we just did an episode on, Educated. Yes, that's a good one. Um, the one I'm reading right now. Oh, shit. Oh, man. Okay, keep going. It's that <laughs> series that I'm reading that... Oh. <sighs> um, well, for me, I'll, I'll tell mine while you think. Okay. So my recommendations off the top of my head are... Obviously, the CES letter, which I guess that's not a book, but read that. Um, Under the Banner of Heaven by John Krakauer. Um, Rough Stone Rolling by Richard Bushman. Um, No Man Knows My History. Um, And what's the other one I was going to say? Well, I can't think of it now, but when I do. Oh, and there's lots of good, like, like, books about polygamy that are interesting too so 
I need to read some of those on our list. I um okay, so I found it. Northern Lights series. It's really it's like fantasy, but it's it's basically the opposite of Chronicles of Narnia. So it's it's questioning religion. Cool. So you know how like Chronicles of Narnia is like all the symbols. So I took a class on this about the symbolism. Um, where it's basically like obviously it represents Christianity and each of the characters are like some Christian character and blah, blah, blah. And C.S. Lewis is known for being like, I mean, the church quotes him all the time. Yeah, they do. Our friend Quentin quoted him. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so this book, Northern Lights, is a series like, so it's, and I don't remember, I'm not sure when they came out, but the the author is, let me see. Sorry, guys. Pullman. The last name is Pullman, but I can't think of the first name. Philip Pullman. I can't wait to start it. Yeah, it's really. So, oh, because maybe you heard of. This is how I knew, because when my boyfriend was explaining it, I was like, what? I was like, oh, but it's that movie, The Golden Compass. Do you remember? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that is like the adaptation for American movie. But it's, it's based off of the book like the series the northern lights anyway so and remember in the states it it was like did not it was not received well at all because it was like every christian was protesting i processed it because it was like (laughs) anti-christian and blah blah. yeah (laughs) which it kind of is but no it's a really good book anyway if you want something light and it's like fantasy it's it's really good so i would suggest reading that um i thought this one was kind of funny um, Mormons preach about garments and modesty, but wear bikinis and skimpy workout clothes. What the hell? <laughs> Listen, I read that and laughed because that was me. I did that <laughs> shit all the time. Yeah, I think it's like when they can get away with an excuse of not wearing their garments, then they want to show off as much as they can. Yeah. Like I, even before I started wearing garments, anytime I worked out, it was always a tank top always short shorts um if I was just like hanging around the house it was always that when I started wearing garments I would make an excuse to work out even if I wasn't like I clearly wouldn't even do anything (laughs) but I'd be like oh no no I'm gonna work out and then I just didn't but I would like make a point to wear that and then swimsuit is a tricky one because I didn't feel comfortable in my body so I never wore a bikini until right when I was leaving the church so for me and that's when I felt more confident because I was like fuck this like every you know people in the church are constantly telling me how I'm supposed to look and how my body should look and society is telling me that but like when I was in the church I would never be comfortable wearing a swimsuit in front of anyone at all so and I couldn't imagine wearing a bikini even if even if I I wanted to because I was like oh they're so much sexier but I, I didn't wear them because I was being Mormon. It was because I was, like, ashamed. Aww. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, it's interesting. What popped into my head with this question was I used to follow on Instagram some influencers that one of them was kind of like a foodie, and then the other one, she was just more like a fashion blogger, and over time, I started to realize that they were Mormon. And it didn't really bother me at first, but it just kept getting on my nerves because I would see them post things like 
going to work out or especially it started to be about bathing suits and like they were doing bathing suit hauls and reviews and I mean they were so skimpy (laughs) which is fine but I just started to get annoyed because then in other posts they would post about how they wear things that respect their religion and blah 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 like kind of being a little bit pretentious about it but then in the next breath they're wearing stuff that you know which I like no judgment I think this stuff was cute and all but it was technically quote-unquote against their religion and I felt like they were just overdoing it and I was just so annoyed by the whole oxymoron of it all I just had to unfollow them (laughs) of course I would have too come on like just yeah so Mm. um what is your go-to coffee order Ooh. um so every day at work I have a cappuccino that's my go-to but if I'm like a, a fancy and I'm doing air quotes a coffee place, I'll usually get a latte macchiato or I don't know. At the weekends, I just drink drip coffee with milk. <laughs> like yeah. yeah, so. Um, for me, I guess, so I have multiple answers. <laughs> uh, so every day, just my daily coffee, I either have my, we do homemade cold brew because like I've said a million times, it's hot as balls here in Arizona, so it's kind of nice to have an iced cold brew coffee, and I'll just put, like, a splash of almond milk in it, or I'll do just regular drip coffee with, lately, I've been putting chocolate soy milk in it as a creamer, um, but if I'm out and I want to have, like a, like, a treat coffee, you know, like a specialty coffee, I usually get something, like, with caramel in it. Unless, Ooh, me too. <laughs> unless it's the fall time or autumn time, and then I am such a basic bitch and I get my PSL. I don't even <laughs> care. PSL all fall. Buys <laughs> latte. You know it. Oh um, my god. So here's our last question because they're just about at an hour. But Sarah, do yes. you speak German? <laughs> what a question to end on. I know. I, I, I saved it because I know you're probably going to say you don't speak it well, but I want to hear you say some stuff in German. <laughs> oh, I will be mortified because my German is so shit. And any German listeners will be like, that bitch, like she butchered our language. Um, Here's a sad truth. I understand German, not all of it. I'm not fluent. But speaking, oh, it's so bad, guys. Like, I always respond in English, and they get so mad at me. Um, but, yeah, I don't, what what word do you want me to say? I don't know. What's um, – can you say, uh, I would like a glass of wine? You don't have to. No, ich hätte ein glass vino, I think is what they say. No, vino is Italian, so it would be vine. I'm such a dork. It's vine. It's V uh, W E I N. Guys, that's how bad my German is. Ich hätte gern ein, ein Flash oder ein Glas Wein. Yeah, something like that. Wein Glas. Oh, shit. Entschuldigung, <laughs> that means excuse me or sorry. <laughs> there you go. There you go. My Deutsch is nicht so gut. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's it. I'm 
yeah, it's really bad. Sorry for all the German listeners or people who can speak German. They're going to be like, my ears are bleeding. It's oh my so God. bad. No. <laughs> well, I think that's it. But I don't know. Do you have anything you want to close with? Anything you'd like to say? Um, I don't. Other than thanks, everyone, for listening and your support. It's something that Katie and I... We're very proud of, and, like, when I talk to other people about it, I forget, like, how how much joy and happiness this podcast brings. It's a lot of work, and it's a lot of time, but we we definitely um, see the reward when we get these emails from listeners or just see how much, you know, this community has helped people. So, for me, I just want to be all sentimental and say thanks, bitches. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, I second that. Thank you, guys. You are all amazing we love doing this (laughs) and that's it that's all i got go review us rate us but don't leave shitty comments like that other person and um i'm gonna say say, dear celestial jesus (laughs) please bless us that we will not get another bad review from a jealous mormon dude in the name from a hater and in the name of Coffee, sex, and wine. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. I'm going to say that closing all the time. In the name of coffee, sex, and wine. (laughs) That is so amazing. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.